Today we're talking about uh, mastering program fundamentals. All the basic stuff that uh, as a trainer we get taught uh, very early on in our career that has a massive, massive role in, uh, in getting the results that people are in the gym for, but unfortunately very few people are doing. We're gonna take a deep dive into it today. Stick around. What's up everyone, in case we haven't met, my name's Rad Burmeister, I'm the co-founder of Unity Gym and the co-creator of the UMS, the Unified Movement System. I'm joined by Richard, he's behind the uh, mic, and Phil, our resident physiotherapist. We are Unity Gym, the gym that turns driven people into strong and flexible athletic people. <laughs> we do it with a, with a really groundbreaking program that has a balance between strength, flexibility, and fitness. If you wanna know how we do that, Grab one of our free downloads, the Strength Blueprint, the Flexibility Blueprint, or the Nutrition Blueprint. And if you haven't done so already, come and join our Facebook group, UMS Movement Mastermind. Just join, uh, search Facebook for it. Join. It's free. And uh, that's where we record these podcasts live and answer your questions. How are you today, boys? How are you, Richie? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah. What about you, Phil? Good. You I cycled into work again for the first time since pre-COVID times. I've been... Really? Yeah. I've been putting it off because it's bloody cold. Uh, for us poor sensitive Sydney siders who can't deal with anything in the teens. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything below the teens, yeah. no, it's cold. <laughs> so, <laughs> nah, it feels good to have, yeah, go back and gonna start, build that habit again. Yeah, so, good on you, man. Yeah, after, yeah, Yanni and I, like both weighed ourselves last week and uh, realized that we're both heavier than we've ever been. Oh. <laughs> like, I have been making good strength increases, but also want to put it on the way. Put it on the way. Gains train. Yeah, gains train. <laughs> it's not easy to um um to do what I did to put muscle on and and not get put fat on at the same time. Yeah. It's uh, it's a hard thing to do. Testament to those at home workouts, but also probably because I didn't drink alcohol or eat any sugar while I was doing it as well. So that yeah. helps as well. Um, no, that's awesome, man. And uh, so today was the first day cycling. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that I'll, I'll be every day now. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Good. awesome. It's often those, those things where it's like, just the first time is the hardest to convince you to do it. And then when I did, it, I was like, oh man, I love this. Why don't I do this every day? Like, yeah, mm, way mm. better than the bus in, especially in pandemic times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So let's get into the show. Today, the, what we want to talk about is that most people are training without tracking and recording their progress, which makes it very hard to predict progression. It's, um, it's a really common thing that people do. Like we see it, we see it in the gym all the time. And we'll, we'll, we'll put this down as the question of the day. Um, let us know when you have ever done a program uh, where you actually uh, track and record your progress, where you're recording your sets and reps uh, every for every set, every rep, uh, and the amount of weight you're doing so that you can, can track your progress. And let us know the experience that you have with it. Did you get a positive result? Did you get a not so positive result? Um, so we... Um, we yeah, we want to know. We want to know uh, what your experience is with it. So... We, um, th look, the, the big thing is that a lot of people, like, they focus on the technique, they focus on the, um, they focus on, you know, the way that they lift their weights, they focus on, um, you know, the exercise selection that they're doing, but they, they forget about these fundamental uh, programming principles, which are really, really important. So, the, we want to talk about, um, first, uh, how to select and when to progress your exercises. And this is a, this is a big thing that people get wrong, isn't it, Phil? Because often people are really going to, um, you know, they're jumping up the ladder way too quick. They're going to exercises that are, that, are, that are too hard for them. 
So it, it actually took us a long time as personal trainers at um, at Unity Gym to to really understand how to, I shouldn't say at Unity Gym, I should say anywhere. I should say for a personal trainer, when you get into the industry, you learn all these exercises, but you don't necessarily know which ones should come first and why. And um, the, uh, yeah, it, 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 it takes a while to understand this, but there is a sequence that you should follow with exercise progression. Um, and there's good reasons why, isn't there? Yep. Um, I think there's, it's a really, the more I um, have, have trained and the more I've done, you know, what are seemingly very simple exercises like squats, deadlifts, uh, bench press, the kind of more I've realized that it's just like the devil's in the detail. Like there's so much to um, each of the lifts. And obviously, you know, you can do sloppy form, that would probably be fine, but you're going to hit a wall that will either be, um, I guess, a plateau in strength because of a lack of movement efficiency or you might run into an injury if you're really getting things wrong. So even with sort of simple exercises, or well, seemingly simple exercises, there's just so many different technique cues, so many things that you really need to master. And that can be very hard if you're training by yourself, if you're training, um, you know, um, or even in a, a group class where you've got like uh, one coach for a whole lot of different people. So um, unless you're getting personal training with someone who's really on you and really on, <laughs> on it like it's going to be very hard for you to get all that stuff right and progress appropriately so uh there's ways of developing the kind of relevant movement skills that you need for each of these that are you know big showcase lifts that you can do in a simplified form and because the if you as we've talked about before with programming principles like complexity of movement is actually you know a um a one of the the ways that we can progress and if so we can regress in the same way from those kind of big movements back to more simple movements, which will teach us the key fundamentals. So it might be, you know, a sink moving from instead of a double leg squat, moving to a single leg squat and thinking about, um, you know, your, your knee tracking and, and, and where your, um, you know, pelvis is going in relation to your knee. So we can simplify things so we can nail those fundamental movements that then when we bring them together and progress, um, everything will be just right. Yeah, I mean, you together. can even think of something like, um, you know, if you talk about like a, a, a squat pattern and a, and a bunch of different progressions that use the squat pattern, you can think of like a, a box squat where you're squatting down only to a certain height and the box actually prevents your butt from going any lower. So as a coach, you can you can dictate how low you want your client to go. And there's many, many reasons why you would um, do this, like knee problems would be a reason as to why you wouldn't want to necessarily squat lower than a certain point, wouldn't they? Or Yeah, well, box squats are particularly good um, if because they teach people to sit back and use their hips yep. more and keep their um, knees somewhat more vertical um, yep. because often that's a real thing that um, so many people sort of go very knee dominant, um, yep. you know, weight onto the toes of the squat. And this is a yep. great way of teaching people to um, sit back and use their hips a bit more. So yep. just like you're getting out of a chair, you, you make that much more of a hip dominant um, sort of squat yep. thing. So yeah, there's like different ways that that's like a, a perfect way to sort of start people off in, um, you know, developing their sort of yep. hip hinge. Yeah. And then you can do something like a goblet squat where you're holding onto a kettlebell where you start doing the full range of motion squats. So as far as the hip, knee and ankle joint, are concerned it's a very very similar movement to a barbell back squat it's almost identical but it's a it's a much easier load to control yeah um and then uh and then moving into a back squat but like an example of where people get this really wrong is often um people go into a gym and within their first session i've I've heard stories of people going to gyms in their first sessions they're being shown how to do olympic lifting um in their very very first session and olympic lifting is like the ultimate complexity for weightlifting movements there's so when you break down an olympic lift like a 
even if you don't even do the jerk, if you just do a clean, an Olympic clean, like the complexity of that movement is so full on. There's so yeah, much that goes yeah, on in it. When I tried doing a bit of Olympic lifting, I was like, whoa, there is way more to this than <laughs> I expected. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I, we actually removed it from the program yeah. because I was doing it myself, learning from just, yeah. I'd watched a couple of YouTube videos and I thought I was you yeah. know, pretty good because I could do it without pain and I got up to like a body weight snatch. But then when I learned from Ian King, who's a um, world-class strength and conditioning coach for Olympic athletes, and we, we were lucky enough to do a session uh, with him. And the, when, the way that he was breaking it down for us and he was critiquing the errors that I was doing and, and, and trying to explain to us and all we were doing was a power clean, man, it, was, it just made me go, wow, this is something that the yeah. average person is just not ready for and <laughs> we're not going to do it anymore. Yeah, so, so it becomes so important to select the right exercises so that we can, um, I guess, get the technique right. And when you can stop, when you can kind of nail technique and stop thinking about it so much, you can then harness that energy and put it into the actual intensity and the um, intention behind the exercise because the things that really makes you get stronger is getting the sets, reps, um, tempo and, and, and rest sort of right and then progressing in a really, you know, um, in a logical and, and progressive overload sort of way. So if you're kind of worrying about technique and not quite getting them right, then that means it's going to be really hard to get um, all the progressive overload principles correctly. Because yeah, it's like little technique differences, say for a back squat can have just huge differences. Like when I first started working um, with Sebastian Orib as a, um, the, as a, to, to try a bit of powerlifting, like in one session, just fixing something what I was doing my upper body meant that I added 20 kilos onto the, um, onto my squat. And like, you know, if I'm so inaccurate with my true, like, you know, one RM from, just a little technique change, then it becomes really apparent how suddenly like trying to control the variables is going to be really like impossible. So once you nail a technique, then it, your actual sets reps weight will be a true representation of your strength. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. And, you know, if we talk about, you know, knowing when to progress your exercises, that's, th there's, there's not a one size fits all approach for this. You know, for some people, there is uh, a, a very valid reason to stay on the same exercise for uh, you know 12 weeks where you would you would just really work on nailing the technique on on a really basic foundational movement um, but generally speaking the way that we do it in the UMS with our foundations program is that we get people for three to six weeks to stay on um, a certain uh, set of exercises before they progress to the the next ones and um, and yeah, we just take it on a case by case basis as to, you know. Yeah, because movement selection is so relevant to your goals. And, you know, depending if, if someone's just going for a regular, just going through gym training because they just want to roll around a body, that's going to be quite different to someone who's really after a certain kind of athletic pursuit. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, but when we move on to this next point, this is a, this is a really um, important thing to understand about programming which it adds a massive part of, um, uh, of, of the results. It's, it's, a, it's a concept called periodization, which is uh, changing loading variables like sets, reps, tempo, and rest. So sets, reps, tempo, rest, and exercise selection are the five uh, periodization uh, variables that you change in order to periodize a program. Um, some people say that there's six, uh, which would be overload technique as well, um, but it's from at least from where I've been taught uh, periodization, uh, the five variables are the main ones that people play with. So the amount of sets that you do, the amount of reps that you do in a set, which is a, has a direct correlation to the intensity. So when 
reps go down, you don't, you're not just arbitrarily dropping reps. You're saying you're doing five reps, that means you lift more weight. You choose a weight that you can do five reps on versus saying you do 10 reps, that means you do less weight. Uh, the tempo is the speed that you uh, go through the eccentric and concentric phase, and it also um, refers to rests, rests or pause between um, concentric and eccentric, and then uh, rest between sets. So these things are intended to be manipulated um, and they are what cause uh, or what make up periodization, which is how you progress your programs and how you vary things. Because when you look at, you look at some of the strongest people in the world, um, someone like Bass, for example, the actual exercise selection that he plays around with is, is very minimal. He's not doing a lot of different exercises at all. He, he repeats the same kinds of things over and over and over again, and so do most powerlifters and weightlifters. So these things here, the rest, the sets, the tempo, um, the reps, those are the, the variables that they're really manipulating to, um, to get periodization. Yeah, and, and the frequency of how many times a week, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, th I guess yeah. that's rest as well. Rest isn't just between yeah. sets; it's also between workouts. Yeah. Um, and when you don't understand how to use this stuff, it kind of I remember learning about periodization, and this is me as being a qualified personal trainer. So I'd done my certificate four course that went for two or three months, or however long it went for. I'd passed all my exams and everything, but the concept of writing a program and periodizing it, oh man, that's a it's a lot. It's a big. Uh, um, there's, there's a lot to understand. Um, and I had to go and do several um, courses after my Cert 4 um, that were all about periodization and writing programs. And, and now that I've done it for so long, it's, it's, it's really easy. But um, yeah, it's, it's quite, a, quite a, a misunderstood thing for, for the average person. Um, and you can get it really wrong really really easily it's really easy to to not understand how to use this stuff and yeah and if we can like that can be you know uh i guess lead to mediocre results in your everyday training but in a like a sports performance perspective um this is everything like when you think about how a professional athlete you know will have to get prepared for a tournament or a season um thinking about how you're actually periodizing your training so that you're um, you know, building strength in your off season, building maybe muscle size in the off season. So you'd choose certain rep, um, reps and set sort of, uh, and tempo. Um, you'd tweak those variables there and, and intensity. And then if you, um, and then as you go into the season, if then you want to think about, okay, if it's a sport, um, you know, like soccer, football, for example, like they're going to need to be focusing more on, on running and have the time and the, and the recovery needed so that they can, uh, you know, run at high intensities, be cognitively there for, um, you know, skill work and all of that. And so if you didn't take um, your programming pr um, principles into it and you put in a, you know, like, 3RM kind of peak uh, strength thing in at you know the game seven of the season game, yeah. like that's going to be absolutely catastrophic to their season because all like they're not going to be fit enough they're not going to be um, you know all their energy is going to be taken up by their lifting so it, it's you can I think seeing it in a professional sports example makes it very apparent how um, important it is and you can and even if you're not in a professional sports space even if you have you know maybe you do a fun run in August like you do the city surf every year thinking about how you might you know look to program um, you know some more strength endurance towards in the lead up to that yeah um, and so like even professional like we've worked with professional athletes at unity gym and they don't even understand how to do mm. um, periodized programming they were very mystified when they were coming to us and asking us okay I, I'm gonna be my season starts in eight weeks how should I train for it and you know, if you are somebody that competes in anything, the, the, the most, at the most grassroots level of periodizing for 
uh, a season or for an event is that you you work out you know where you want to be just before the event and then you taper backwards to where you are and you have a program that that progressively becomes uh, more intense or, or builds strength builds fitness to about what do you reckon about a week out from competition and then you take a week where you deload and allow your yeah, body to it'll recover depend, obviously if it's a one-off tournament or a, a season yep. or, or what the kind yep. of context is but and then if, if you're an athlete in a season um, a lot of athletes when they've asked us this are quite shocked to hear us say that when you're actually doing your weightlifting and your training during the season it's it's always at a reduced intensity and a, or at least a reduced frequency because just like what you said there before is, is really important to understand when you're playing your sport, the the high intensity is the game at the end of the week. So you, all your training leading up to it is to prepare you for that game. And if you're doing three RMs during the week, the risk of injury there, you know, even just a tweak in the muscle is enough to cause you to have a lack of performance, um, you know, on, 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 the, uh, on the field. So it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting topic and it's something that, um, you can go really deep into or you can go really shallow into but it, if you at least um start to learn some of the basics about periodization and start to build um a periodized uh approach to your training you're going to see some some big yeah. improvements or if you're completely overwhelmed by all this and it's all just seems like too hard to figure out the great thing is that if you follow one of the programs from unity gym it will always be based always on a periodized, periodized so. always yep you can outsource all of that thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it is. There, there is a lot to think about. There yeah. really is. And one of the hardest things with periodization is sticking to it. I think, like yeah. having a like setting the goal and then progressing it and doing what you said a year ago, like following that that same program, like you know, nine months later, yep. is probably one of the hardest things because yep. it's very very common for humans to be excited by the next shiny thing, novel stimulus, and then or whatever. Like, you know, um, you you see a different type of exercise you want to do or you learn something slightly different and then you change it up and then suddenly you know that year-long periodization plan becomes yep. no longer as yep. effective as it could have been and if you want to know how we do this in the ums the most um the, the the basic approach that we have is that we we first try to build foundational uh, balanced bodies which means a balance between strength and flexibility a balance of symmetry from left to right side of the body and a balance in symmetry from agonist to antagonist which means basically opposing muscle groups so pushing and pulling muscles um, and when also a, a balance from upper to lower limb so you know you're not top heavy or bottom heavy or whatever once we've gone through that foundational phase, we move into the progressions phase, which is where we start to look for a, a deeper level of balance, where we start uh, looking for balance between certain strength movements and certain flexibility movements. And once we've created balance with that, then we start moving into um, goal-specific training, like wanting to master certain calisthenics movements or whatever it is. And it's um it's a process it, it takes time for people but it's a really fun process and and the way we do periodization in the gym and with the ums uh once people get out of that foundations phase is at the, at the most basic explanation of it we 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 periodize between uh accumulation phases where the goal is to accumulate fatigue and to build muscle and intensification phases where the goal is more to train the central nervous system's ability to produce strength um, and and those cycles uh go for six weeks and um, that's that's a very basic understanding of uh, or explanation of how we do it. But well, it works really well. Yeah. yeah. Um, while, before we go on, yep. um, just a quick shout out to the people watching. Live. Yeah. 
Lucio and uh, Lee, thanks for tuning in. Um, and But guys, I, we'd love to get uh, anyone to answer uh, the yeah, question just, of the I day. Mean, it's my first time posting the question yeah, of the day. Yeah, Phil's got, come on, don't let him down, man. Exactly. So. Yeah, don't let him down. <laughs> Do you track your progress? What results did you get? Have you ever done a program <laughs> where you... you yeah, and how did you track it? Yeah, we'd love to hear uh, from any of you guys out there. Yeah, and um, the last uh, the last point for today is uh, is how to use a program card accurately to track your progress. And this is something that I can speak um, with a lot of passion about because there's a lot of different research. Um, I, I've never read the actual research papers, but I've read uh, I've read interpretations of them. But there's a lot of research out there that talks about people that track their progress, that track, uh, not just in fitness, in financial wealth, in, in, in um, business um, projects. When you track your progress, you get better results. Now, I went for a couple of years where I used to track my progress on a program card. Then I went for a couple of years where I didn't track it at all. And only recently, again, I started to track it because recently, maybe a year and a half ago, I wasn't very happy with the progress that I was making. And I went back to the drawing board and I thought about all the things that I could be doing better. And one of them was I wasn't tracking my progress. And I just kept hearing it from, um, you know, one of the places where I, I read it most recently was in the um, Overcoming Gravity book. Um, Stephen Lowe, he, he gives examples of how gymnasts that didn't track their progress versus the gymnasts that did. The gymnasts that did made significant um, strength gains on the ones that didn't. And that was enough to make me go, man, I've got to start doing this again. Um, and so I started doing it and I've made massive improvements just, just from doing the same training, but just tracking my progress so that I can go into my workouts and look at what I did last week and say, okay, I'm either going to lift the same weight as I did last week because I didn't make every rep that I intended to, or I'm going to lift more because I did make every rep that I intended to. And, um, and I've gotten up to lifting more weight um, in certain areas of my body than I've ever done before. It's been really, really good. Yeah. What's yeah, your what, experience what, with Well, it, what you measure, you can manage. Yeah. And like objective feedback is just so important in a very subjective brain because, you know, we're as humans, we just, you know, at, like are affected by so many different things in, in life. And obviously that can be, you know, physiological stuff and, and stress where, you know, you might be extra tired from, um, you know, not getting enough sleep. There's lots of other stuff that's taking up your brain. But if you can have certain, if you've, if you've measured something and you know that like, that's what you have to hit then you're able like it's just it taps into that sort of you know even like self-competitive nature to <laughs> to hit those goals and 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 that's just that's just okay it also is so useful from a physio context in that um often one of the biggest like the, the most important questions i ask during consultation is like what's changed what have what yeah. have you been doing over the last yeah. little time and you know <laughs> what was it six weeks ago that that started this you know shoulder pain and and, and if you have a clear record of, of what you've been doing then that suddenly becomes very easy and, and it becomes very apparent um you know what what those changes are so it's not always um at, it doesn't mean that it's always a training thing, but it might be like, hey, you've actually been progressing your training really well, but like, well, there's something else you didn't know. Oh yeah, I did go on like a four day kayak. It's like, okay, well, understanding <laughs> like that where the source of the, um, you know, change is coming from is, is, is really helpful. Yeah, I mean, that is actually a, a critical thing. I mean, that's one of the things that Stephen Lowe talks about in that book as well. He, he doesn't just talk about making gains. He talks about when something isn't going right, um, a good coach will be able to look at your program card and look back to where the, where the drop-off was because you'll be able to see it. It's not gonna be a subjective thing. It's gonna be an objective drop-off in strength or whatever. Um, and you can go, okay, well, let's look at what changed at that point to cause this. Um, this isn't something that I recorded, but it is a, a great example of 
you know, because you and I were in the same room at the same time to be able to identify a change that when I hurt my back last week, and I'm totally fine now, it's, it, it only lasted for two or three days, I knew it wasn't that bad, but when you said to me, oh, I wonder if it was the Batman, and if anybody doesn't know what, what we mean by that is we've got these moon boots with the hooks on them where you can hang upside down, and I, it, it feels so good on my back, on my spondylolisthesis, but I usually do it first thing in the morning, well away from my training session, and for some stupid reason, I decided to do it right before a deadlift session, I thought, oh, I'm just going to let my back stretch out. And I just didn't click in my mind that what I was doing was a passive stretch. I was passively stretching my, my joints, sending a, a signal to my central nervous system to let everything relax and do the exact opposite of what we teach in the UMS. And then I went straight into a heavy deadlifting session and did a moderate weight for me. The week before I did 180 kilos, fine. And this week I did 140 and hurt my back. Um, and that is an example of being able to identify a change and go, ah, but that was because you and I were in the same room and we started talking and you went, you straight away just went, oh, I wonder if it was that. But if, if I had been tracking my progress and I came to see you two weeks later, you'd be able to look at that and say, oh, wow, look, that's what changed. That's probably what caused it. But if there was nothing there, you have to sit down and ask all these questions. You've got to try to remember and yeah. it's, it's just not so easy to do. So, yeah. Definitely. Um, and I guess we've got to think about like the reason why people don't track and you know i totally get it i one of the you know having like rad's often set up there with his death star laptop on the um <laughs> i'm in here the, after every set I, yeah. I come in on my set and then i bang 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 and type in my reps yeah so trying to like lower the friction to doing it i think is a really um key thing um and i know that like with say one of the clients that i train regularly um as, as like in personal training sort of settings um i often you know want to be really engaged in the session don't want to be kind of like you know I just want to be totally 100% there, but I've I found that then, you know, sometimes it can be a bit like later on, you're like, oh, I meant to write that down. What did he do? What was that? And so I've got in the habit now, just when he when he leaves, I take a photo of his setup and so I can see all the different weights he's done. And then um, that will just give me that little mental jog to then go back and um, just note those down and put it in the spreadsheet I've got to make sure that we're, um, you know, progressing from there. So it's all about trying to come up with little strategies and, and, and have a like lower the friction to doing that that little activity and then it become once it becomes habit it becomes easy so yeah yeah i mean there's different ways to do it and you've just got to figure out what works for yourself like in the ums we've got these amazing um uh excel sx um is that what it's called the microsoft um spreadsheet uh program cards yeah a spreadsheet um where you can just put it in uh and and, it, and track it all there for yourself but some people like to print it some people just like the pen and paper and that it's totally subjective. It depends. There's, I don't think there's any right or wrong. I do like to have um, a digital record of program cards because I think if it's all written down, eventually you're going to lose it and you've got to yeah. you know, fumble through things 12 months later to find it. So I think that if you do track on a pen and paper that at the later on that night, just take the five minutes that it would be to just quickly enter those numbers into a spreadsheet. Um, but you yeah. You do funky things with like, you know, visual representations of your change if you have it all in a spreadsheet it, it yep. can make it much more sort of motivating if yeah you yeah for sure like that. so let's have a look at some of the comments here dave clark answering the question of the day is Legend. saying uh since starting the foundations program i've been tracking progress it gives you an incentive to try and add one or two more reps uh in uh to beat last week's results and feels rewarding even if it's only minor progress well, well that's it dave it's um it's all about minor progress like you can't uh, once you've gone through the initial adaptations that happen from training in the first few months you really shouldn't be expecting to have major change every week like to be able to go up um by two to three percent strength in each workout is considered 
really good. Well, that's that's good progress. And if you could do that every week on every workout, and, and you won't always be able to do that. You won't, like when you get up to the levels of lifting that Phil, Richard, Yanni, and I do, uh, going up in two to three percent every week is not always possible. So if you can do that, that's really, really good. Uh, um, so yeah, we're, we're talking small increments. And if you're not tracking that, uh, yeah, it's really hard to know if you're going from 130 kilos, like to, to think one day I'm going to go oh, from 130 to 140, that's a huge leap. But if you're tracking that, oh, last week I did 130, it felt pretty good, I'm going to try 132 this week, or I'm going to try 133. You know, those those small increments, they add up and they're manageable. Yeah, and I think the key thing you're yeah, saying, you know, it feels rewarding is just such a key one to under, like to appreciate because, you know, the biggest thing about staying involved in, and having a healthy lifestyle that involves exercises that you stay engaged and you stay enjoying what you're doing and having uh, objective feedback to show that you are making progress that you are you know um i guess getting better is just one of those things that gives you that little bit of you know motivation and hit to to come back and and do it again because i definitely went through the phase after playing 11 years of like competitive ultimate frisbee and going to world championships and whatever like i played non-stop for 11 years and it got to the point where i was like oh man Am I better? At, I think I was better at this when I was 18 than I am now when I'm like, you know, 27. And it's just yeah. like, it kind of gets to that point where it was like, when you l like lack that sort of objective feedback of that you're actually making progress, it can become really demoralizing and a bit like, yep. you know, kind of really mess with your motivation. So, and I think the same thing happens in the gym where people go to the, the gym for ages and they, they train and train, they, they have like a burst of motivation that gets them in the first place and then they start to fade off. Yep. And I think that fade off comes when you feel like, you know, your effort doesn't like translate into a result. And so having evidence, objective evidence is one of the most wonderful things about doing strength training is you can get like objective evidence of your improvement. And I think that's a really powerful thing to respect about the programming card. Oh, massive, massive. I mean, I felt the same thing with my martial arts training. It was the same as you. It was like pretty much around that same kind of time, you know, like started when I was yeah. about 17, when I was in my late 20s. Like, man, am I getting better at this? Yeah. Or am I just like sitting here at the same kind of level? Because when you get, when you've been doing something for 10 years, yeah. the improvements start yeah, to become seriously diminishing small, returns. you know. And in sports like that, where it's hard to measure progress, it becomes very like, you know, <laughs> yeah. very hard. So yeah, absolutely. Um, the last little point I want to make with um, the importance of tracking progress as well is when it comes to injury and pain. Um, one thing that uh, I find with clients who come in and they, um, you know, have a bit of pain while, and they're like, oh, you know, this 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 hurts while I'm, you know, doing this exercise, and then, um, you know, we go through uh, how to maintain some level of training and movement, and then try to progress out of there. And they'll and if you if they come back like a month later and say like, oh, you know, it's pretty good, but it still like hurts and I'm, you know, it's a bit frustrating that it still hurts when I'm doing this. And you look at what they were doing a month ago versus what they're doing now. And, you know, they used to be in pain when lifting an empty bar and now they're, you know, squatting 60 kilos. Then you, if you can track and see like, okay, <laughs> objectively, like you are doing a third of what you're doing now, uh, that is progress that is so important in a rehab sense because it, it, it like rewards that, that effort and it also kind of kind of teaches your brain that you know the perceived threat should go down your pain experience will be less because you trust your body more because they've, you've got such objectively good results yep yep for sure um, and just quickly over to Richie Richie was saying that uh, this is one of the <coughs> most uh, common issues he has with people in the, the gym the, the tracking yeah I think um, most people don't really um, understand or grasp how it is a massive fundamental when it comes to your training 
Like most people understand that they have to do the exercise correctly, like the form, the technique, to get the most out of the exercise. But um, you meet diminishing returns, like you guys were saying, when you do that after a while, it all becomes about the programming. It all becomes about the numbers that you do, how much volume you do, the weight that you lift and how you progress. And when, you, when you're not recording it, it just makes it impossible to gauge that, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a really, you have to track it. You have to count it. You have to. Yeah. And I guess in the gym, like people come in here to outsource all the other, they're thinking about, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing it. And then that, that tracking it is the one thing they actually have to take responsibility for and that yep. you're not going to do for them. And so I think yeah. that's, that's a really key one too. And I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong is that they think that when they come into the gym and they're working with the trainer, they kind of like just <laughs> abdicate responsibility for everything, you know, because yeah. the program's written for them. They're told what to do every day, but there is an element where if you really want to go to that next level, you do have to take personal responsibility for it. Yeah. Um, is saying that he needs to track his progress more. He only does it properly when he's doing a super compensation program a few times a year. Um, and that when he was a personal trainer, he used to track every client's progress on a program card and his clients used to get very good results. And yeah, it's true. I remember. I remember the time. So guys, look, the, the key insight from today's show, this is the really big take home for you. If you want to become strong, flexible, and athletic, then you must understand program fundamentals and you need to start tracking your progress on a program card so that you can manage load. And that's what we're going to be going into much deeper in tomorrow's show. We're going to be talking about how to master load management. And one of the, you know, there's different ways that you manage load. There's, we've got volume and intensity. And intensity refers to, you know, it's a direct relation to how much weight you're lifting, how intense the actual uh, load is on your body, whereas the volume refers to the total amount of weight lifted. So the amount of sets you do or the amount of reps you do in a set. And there's different ways to manipulate the load by using different combinations of intensity and uh, volume, which are something that a lot of people really don't understand. A lot of people really only understand the intensity variable, where it's like lift, put more on the bar, put more on the bar, put more on the bar. Um, so yeah, tune in tomorrow. It's going to be a great show. Thanks for everyone uh, for tuning in today. And thanks for the feedback. And hope you all have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.